911, what's your emergency? America's healthcare system is broken and people are dying. Welcome to Code Whack, where we shine a light on America's callous healthcare system, how it hurts us, and what we can do about it. I'm your host, Brenda Gazar. This time on Code Whack. Now that the COVID health emergency is over, our thoughts are with the millions of Americans who are losing their Medicaid coverage. But we mustn't forget the nearly 2 million Americans who would have been eligible for Medicaid back in 2014 thanks to the Affordable Care Act, but never got it because their state didn't adopt the expansion. As of June 2023, 10 states have still not taken advantage of the Affordable Care Act, and two have approved but not implemented the Medicaid expansion. What does that mean for the people who live there? To find out, we're revisiting one of our favorite episodes about radio personality and performance artist Aliska Hahn, who was struggling with multiple sclerosis while living in a state that did not accept the ACA's Medicaid expansion. How did this force her into making some difficult choices to avoid financial ruin? As millions of Americans are about to lose their health insurance, this oldie but goodie episode is an excellent reminder of why we need Medicare for All in America. Welcome to Code Whack, Aliska. So tell me about your diagnosis with MS and how that's affected your life. In 2008, I was working as the skating director of the rink. It's in Morgantown, West Virginia. I remember I skated a solo performance in our Christmas show in 2008. So prepared and definitely as I skated uh, in the show, I'm like, there is something wrong with my body. Starting in about February of 2009, I started to have some symptomology that was extremely concerning. And I ended up going to seek help and going to doctors in West Virginia. They did not properly diagnose me. They did four different exploratory surgeries, <laughs> which only made things worse. Finally, they kind of gave up on me. They said, you don't have heart disease or cancer or diabetes, so we don't know what's wrong with you. I kept having inability to walk or feel. I had blurred vision. I had pain. And, you know, try showing up at an ER repeatedly with pain and see how you're treated. <laughs> Even if your community knows you as a professional athlete who teaches their kids. So, I mean, I even had an ER doctor say to me, I think that this is emotional. I think that you need to consider being seen by a psychologist and a psychiatrist. We, we believe that you've had some sort of a, a break. <laughs> by the time my birthday rolled around in 2009, I had been bedridden for about six weeks and I was convinced that was my last birthday. I couldn't get to the bathroom. I was incontinent. I couldn't walk. I kept falling down. My vision would blur. My hair would fall out. My gums would bleed. And, and finally, I had a, it was actually a chiropractor that advised me, listen, you're going to have to go to a different kind of doctor because regular medicine is not going to serve you well on this. One time on yeah, what seemed like my weekly visit to the ER, I saw a doctor there and he said, you did not hear this from me, but you are not going to get the help you need here. You're going to have to go to an integrative autoimmune specialist type of doctor. We don't know what it is, but you know, we, we've checked you head to toe. And so I went back to that chiropractor friend that I spoke to earlier and he was able to connect me with a doctor in Pittsburgh. And so uh, within a week after my 
my birthday that I thought would be my last, I ended up at an integrative med doctor in Pittsburgh. She was a specialist in autoimmune disorders and systemic infections. That first visit, they took 30 vials of blood and shipped it all over the United States to try to figure out what in the world was going on. And, and that was when I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. I was diagnosed with Epstein-Barr and mono, and I was vitamin deficient and malnourished, which was shocking to me. My body was so inflamed, I wasn't able to absorb food. I had so many things going on and was so, so, so sick. I'm so thankful that I ended up in her hands. Eliska, did you ever have a problem getting health insurance because you had MS? I didn't have a problem getting private insurance because I was so sick for so long. It depleted my financials so much that I didn't really try to get private insurance. But what happened is I moved to Wilmington, North Carolina a couple of years ago, and I moved there to be with my fiance. And I was not aware at the time that North Carolina is one of the 14 states in the United States that did not adopt Medicaid expansion. So I moved there. And after I moved there, I then realized, uh uh-oh, I was starting to get better. I'd had a recent flare. I was starting to get better, but I definitely needed, needed coverage until... I could get back on my feet and I was not able to get it. I was not able to get it. I ended up going over $50,000 in debt. I collapsed in my home the day after Christmas. It would have been the Christmas of 2019. And had to be rushed to the hospital, had to be admitted. When the common treatment for MS, when it gets that far out of control, is almost like a chemo-level steroid. They give you an IV steroid called solumedrol. It's extremely powerful. They give you a gram of it a thousand milligrams. Uh, To put that in perspective, when somebody breaks a bone, uh, they're going to maybe get a hundred milligrams as a treatment for inflammation and pain. And they give you that every day for three to five days to try to get the body again to halt that inflammatory process that is the hallmark of MS. It's very expensive. And so even though I was only in the hospital for five days and uh, had a couple emergency room visits, I was deeply, deeply in debt. And thankfully, a woman that I believe was a social worker at the hospital, she came up and, you know, she saw the, the situation and she said, you need to file for coverage in the state of North Carolina. But the only way that you're going to be able to do that is if the state of North Carolina finds you disabled. Because I thought she was talking about social security disability. I said, you know, I I tried to file for social security disability when I was really sick and and I got denied. And I said, you know, I'm going to be better. I'm going to get better. You know, I I don't want to be on disability forever. And she said, no, you don't understand. Just to get Medicaid. I said, so the fact that I don't have a job and the financial situation, she said, it doesn't matter here. You have to be found disabled by the state and they have to summon all your medical records and go through this process. There's going to be a hearing. You'll be supplied with a lawyer and it took six and a half months for it to finally uh, come to a hearing, but it did. And the good state of North Carolina decided I was disabled. And the reason that you didn't qualify for Medicaid without being designated disabled, is is that something to do with you not having minor children? 
right. I don't know how it works in all of the states that did not adopt Medicaid expansion, but with people that I've connected with that have similar situations, I've found that if you are a parent of a minor child, you can get Medicaid if you have financial need without being declared disabled. Once your children are not minors anymore, they're 18 and up, it doesn't matter what your financial need is. It doesn't matter. And it just blows my mind. I'm like, what do you mean? At the time I was, I had just turned 53 and I'm like, what do you mean that that's a a disqualifying factor? But yes, that was 100% the reason. Wow. So how did you feel when you realized that you had $50,000 worth of medical bills and you weren't sure how you're going to pay for them? Uh... I was a little panicked about it, but honestly, I got out of the hospital at the beginning of January or right before my my fiance's birthday is New Year's Eve. So I got out at some point on the 31st and I ended up back in the ER the first week in January. I had driven home because I had not seen my 92-year-old dad in almost a year. I'm like, you know, I'm kind of patched together. You know, I've had the treatment. I'm going to drive home and just see my dad. So I come home to West Virginia to visit with my father and uh, I end up collapsing again. So I go back in the hospital for another nine days. So in February of last year was my last hospitalization. Now, my dad, who is as honest as as any person I've ever met in my life, retired military, truly my hero. Um, I'm sorry, just truly the most honorable man I've ever met. He said, you're going to use my address and you're going to tell them you live here because you're not going to allow them to do that to you. They're going to destroy you financially. And so my dad vouched for my citizenship in West Virginia so I could go to the Department of Health and Human Resources. I called them from my hospital bed and I said, can you please reinstate my, you know, I'm in a critical situation. And they did. They knew I had had West Virginia Medicaid before. They said, we will retroactivate you to cover you. And they did. So that was a relief. But, you know, (laughs) I don't know if it's a good idea to, you know, to to lie uh, about it. You know, I don't mind being honest about that. I did still have a West Virginia driver's license. I had only lived in Wilmington for a little over over 10 months at the time. And I had been sick for much of that. So, you know, getting um, a new residence and an updated driver's license was not high on my list of, of things to do. So my dad lived in, you know, my childhood town and home. And he said, you are going, this is your home. It's always been your home. And you're going to use this address and you're going to tell them that you need coverage again. And so that's what they did. He was so frustrated because, you know, my dad just always was the type of guy that believed that if you, as long you did the right thing and you told the truth that ultimately things would work out. It was very disillusioning for him to see how I was mishandled over the last 10 years. And with the relapsing, remitting nature of my multiple sclerosis, it didn't do anything to help my case (laughs) 
being disabled. And, and honestly, I didn't want to be considered disabled because I just had this spirit inside of me. I knew that I was going to get better, that it was temporary, but it doesn't take too long of a temporary situation to wreck you, your financial state, if you don't have medical coverage or if you're not able to work. It was so frustrating because, you know, I'm a pretty smart chick and talented and I could not think my way out of it. And I went to talk to people who were very, very smart and they couldn't figure a way out of it. I know as somebody who has had a voice, you know, publicly for coming on the better part of of 35 years, very, very public voice nationally. If I am having trouble like this, and if I have struggled like this, I can't even imagine the number of people that are out there that don't have a way out or hope. And honestly, it, you know, it has been, that's been the hardest part. I mean, the the MS, (laughs) it's not fun sometimes, but honestly, the hardest part of having MS was not not having health insurance. Thank you, Aliska. Do you have a personal story you'd like to share about our WAC healthcare system? Contact us through our website at heal-ca.org. Find more Code WAC episodes on progressivevoices.com and on Nurse Talk Media. And make sure to subscribe to Code WAC wherever you find your podcasts. This podcast is powered by Heal California uplifting the voices of those fighting for healthcare reform around the country. I'm Brenda Gazar.